to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Our guest today is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who is a leading expert in the metaphysical and paranormal fields, with more than 65 books published on a wide range of topics, including nine single-volume encyclopedias and reference works. Her work is part of her spiritual journey, probing into the unknown, the other side, and other dimensions in her search for truth. She has worked full-time in this field for 35 years. Now, Rosemary keeps a busy schedule. In addition to her own research and writing and TV and radio appearances, she travels lecturing. She's a certified hypnotist and runs her own publishing and productions company called Visionary Living Incorporated. I found out about Rosemary as she's also one of the speakers at the upcoming Afterlife Symposium in Scottsdale, Arizona, and she'll be doing a workshop on black mirror scrying, which is a way to connect with our loved ones in the afterlife. Her website is visionaryliving.com, and I think we're all going to be interested in what Rosemary has to say today and learn some new things. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, a warm welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Sandra, it's such a pleasure to talk with you today. I'm thrilled. If you could see me sitting here, I've got a big smile on my face like I'm about to unwrap a Christmas present. (laughs) (laughs) I love meeting new people, especially uh, with new things to share for all of us and, um, yeah, to make a difference in people's lives. So if you would, would you tell us some about you and maybe where you're from and how you got into this wonderful field of so much? It's fascinating. It's been a lifelong journey, and I've been very privileged to have my personal spiritual journey be part of my professional uh, journey as well. I've had a lifelong interest in these topics Uh, from a very early age. I I also was a writer. Um, As soon as I could uh, make letters with a crayon or, or a pencil, I was writing something. And for me, the mysteries of the unknown always pulled me. Uh, I did have an influence from family. Uh, My mother was a prolific psychic dreamer, uh, and she had other experiences as well. My mother, my older sister, and I all had our own interactions with the unseen realms that were unique to each of us. But my mother especially had a lot of precognitive dreams. And some of them, of course, were unsettling dreams because they dealt with forewarnings of deaths of people she knew. And I was uh, in my uh, tween years uh, when mom started sharing a lot of these dreams with me and her anxieties about them. Now, to me, the idea that we could dream the future, uh, any future, uh, in a reliable way, just fascinated me. Sure. And uh, I started uh, turning more attention to dreams. I got books on dreams. Uh, I started keeping a dream journal. Um, over the course of the next few years, I had uh, done pretty much a self-study course in how to project astrally in dreams, visit distant locations, send and receive messages with friends, Uh, and what we would call today remote view uh, places with uh, some accuracy, Uh, I had enough successes that it convinced me that dreams were absolutely amazing. They were amazing mechanisms that reached beyond time and space into the afterlife. 
uh, into past lives. Uh, and of course, the more I learned about dreams, the most important aspect of them all is that they tell us so much about ourselves and, and they reflect to us the truth of how we feel we're really doing in life. And they point out imbalances and also give us the solutions to our problems if we pay attention to them. Interesting. So that triggered a lot of interest then that then started spreading. I was already interested in ghosts and, uh, you know, mysterious creatures, aliens, UFOs. Um, so I've had uh, kind of a Jill of all trades, what I now call the Renaissance woman. Uh, and I think that people who are researchers in these fields, metaphysical and paranormal, we have to be Renaissance men and women today. We have to have working knowledges across a broad range of topics in order to, to really be effective and understand the focus of our studies. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what really launched me on this path. I got into uh, divination. I studied the tarot. I studied energy healing. I became a paranormal investigator. Uh, I started um, uh, pursuing studies in the afterlife and reincarnation. Um, and the other end of the spectrum, uh, entity contact experiences of all kinds and how people are changed by them uh, for better or for worse. All these things tie together. And uh, underneath it all uh, has been this underpinning of dreams. And uh, I became a dream facilitator. Uh, I started doing lay uh, dream work for individuals and groups. Uh, I took a lot of Jungian courses uh, at the Young Center in New York City on dreams and the psychology of dreams. Uh, and dreams are still very important to me as uh, a compass that we can use to orient ourselves. Now, Sandra, over the course of time in studying dreams and in talking to people about their dreams, I collected quite a few accounts of people who had had contact with the dead. And even though the experiences seemed to be part of dreams, like lucid dreams, or they had dreamlike qualities to them, people were convinced that they had had actual, real, even physical contact with departed loved ones. And they wanted to know, is this so? Because many therapists uh, will tell people, oh, it's just wish fulfillment. No, it didn't really happen. It right. just seemed like it did. Right. So I started studying dream visits from the dead. And, uh, of course, uh, since I considered dreams a pathway to other realities, it made perfect sense to me that they could be a bridge between the afterlife and the world of the living, uh, where we can have these, literally, reunions. So that's kind of the background that paved the way for things, um, concerning dreams and the afterlife. And then, you know, another offshoot of that was the black mirror as another way to have contact. And I know nothing about the black mirror. And when I saw that you'll be at the symposium and giving the workshop on sun Sunday. Yes, I think so. Sunday. I have one on Thursday pre-conference oh, okay. and okay. then I have one on Sunday post-conference. And then during the conference, I will be giving a presentation on uh, dream visits from the dead um, the Black Mirror is uh, a wonderful tool for a variety of purposes. And uh, I, through my work in the paranormal and studying occultism, I was familiar with the use of black, black mirrors. They've been used throughout history for divination and for magical purposes, for seeing into the future and into the past. 
But it was in the 1990s when um, I read uh, Dr. Raymond Moody's book, Reunions, that I was just galvanized um, to employ them as a tool for contacting the dead. And uh, I had studied a lot of mythology, like uh, Dr. Moody, I was familiar with the um, uh, the ancient Greeks and their mm-hmm. techniques for using uh, dark places and dark surfaces as a way of contacting the dead. And when I read his book about the use of the black mirror, um, and I already had a black mirror, and and I I, I used it for psychic development. It's a wonderful tool for sharpening up your psychic um, uh, faculties. I thought this this is really something that can benefit people. And uh, Dr. Moody had coined the term psychomantium, place of the spirit, a place where you would go in a dimly lit room to gaze into um, a mirror that had a black surface instead of a silver surface uh, with the intention of evoking contact with the dead. Uh, And he had uh, worked with hundreds of volunteers to refine this process. Well, I contacted Dr. Moody and um, I went down to Alabama to his home uh, to have my own psychomantic experience with him and it was an amazing journey um we did a lot of pre uh intention setting like uh, what was my purpose for being there who did i want to contact um dr moody would ask well tell me about your relationship and what worked about it and what didn't and uh and then i had my my time in the psychomantium which was a converted walk-in closet with a Mm -hmm. giant black mirror in it and It was such a powerful experience. So after that, then, I took some training from Dr. Moody. He offered um, mirror facilitation classes for people who wanted to um, use the black mirror to help other people um, in whatever purpose. So I took his training class. Uh, Now, I'm not a licensed psychotherapist, so uh, I was not using it in that way. I've always used things as a lay facilitator. Yes. and uh, so I started doing workshops in the Black Mirror um, as a way to contact the dead. And I experimented a lot with myself to refine techniques that I wanted to use for induction, for helping people to uh, visualize, to hear, to feel, to sense, uh, and then helping them process that on uh, on the uh, out outcome after they came literally came back out of the mirror and over the years I've been doing these for quite a few years now uh, they've been uh, quite successful people have had astounding experiences even beginners who've never meditated never had done any psychic development work even beginners can have uh, profound experiences in the mirror So uh, one of the things that was an obstacle was supply of mirrors, and I couldn't find a good commercial supply of mirrors, so my husband and I started making them. Good for you. I looked online for black mirrors once I heard your topic. I'm like, where do you get one? <laughs> uh, you can buy, uh, you know, like little discs of like blackened glass. But I wanted something that evoked yes. a feeling, an atmosphere. I wanted um, a nice frame. 
um, the setting of the room. I, I go to great lengths uh, as much as I can in any given setting. I do these in private homes and hotels and, you know, uh, book, back rooms of bookshops and, right. and places like that. But um, so we have for our workshop, and we will have these in Scottsdale as well. In fact, uh, several years ago, I did a couple of Black Mirror workshops for this same event, and they were uh, very successful uh, for people. So I'm really looking forward to coming back and doing them again. But um, my husband, Joe, and I, we have several dozen what we call class mirrors. And these are simple framed, um, black frames, black mirrors, lightweight that we can easily take from location to location so that people don't have to buy a mirror in order to have the experience. Try it out. See if it's for you. And um, we energize them and cleanse them um, for every session. And we also sell black mirrors that are more ornate. And so people are so inclined um, and they, they want to have their own black mirror, we have a supply of them. And the mirrors come with a guidebook that I've written as well. So uh, this has been one of my most, I would say, rewarding events. And for me, uh, when I put together a workshop or a lecture, I, I want to bring information and techniques to people that are, are going to um, enhance something for them, to something new, something they can use, tools, uh, expand their awareness. And the Black Mirror has been one of the most rewarding experiences. Along the way, Sandra, we've had um, phenomena that have occurred in the uh, scrying room. Scrying is an old term. It's an old English term, by the way, that means to discern dimly. Okay. And uh, I opted to use the term scrying as, as opposed to gazing because it evokes something it mysterious. Yes. But uh, it's not unusual. It doesn't happen every time, but it's not unusual for visitors. I mean, the mirror work literally attracts visitors. It attracts spirit helpers, angels, spirit guides. It attracts um, uh, the dead uh, who uh, are coming called in by the people who are using the mirrors. For some people, it's going to be an intensely private experience that only they have. And sometimes these phenomena break out in the room. And other people, uh, multiple people will experience them. We've had footsteps. We've had uh, the sounds of drumming, chanting, Gregorian chant, choir singing. We've had uh, gods, goddesses, and angels manifest in the room. Uh, you just, uh, we've had people feeling like they were touched or hugged on their shoulders. Uh, they're convinced it's me. Uh, walking around the room if they have their eyes closed and I don't walk around the room uh, when people are in the mirror right. so it can be a, a quite a phenomenal experience can you walk us through Rosemary oh, let me just back up a little for our listener uh, if you don't know what we're talking about as far as this symposium in September 13th through 16th 2018 in Scottsdale Arizona there is there will be 33 afterlife experts and people talking about grief and living a powerful life. And we're all under one roof for, for a long weekend. And it's a, a great conference that you can attend to learn so much. And Rosemary is one of the speakers, as am I. Um, but we welcome you to go to afterlifesymposium.org to find out more if this is something that should interest you. And um, But Rosemary, if you wouldn't mind, just walk us through a little bit like when someone – 
well, do you, if you don't, do you do a, like a, a induction to, you know, you're talking to everybody, um, like what it would look like. And then maybe if you could give us some stories of just some of the things that have happened. So like title of the show is we don't die. Maybe people <laughs> got reconnected or, or something. Could you do that? Sure. <clears throat> At the beginning, uh, I talk uh, just a little bit about what a black mirror is, what its history is as a dark scrying surface, why it's so powerful. Uh, and uh, I have a, a, a conditioning session where uh, I have people hold the mirror and uh, give them some techniques for energizing mirror. First, we clear the surface of the mirror. Even though I've already uh, cleared and energized the mirrors in general, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's important for people to put their own energy into the mirror. And so we go through some exercises where we clear the surface of the mirror using energy from our hands and channeling it from uh, the divine source of all being. And we energize the mirror. And then I have them practice looking into the mirror and evoking things. Uh, and I give them instructions for, for doing specifics, to think of something in their mind and then look into the mirror and experience it in the mirror. Now, uh, the ex- experience that an individual person has <clears throat> is going to vary person by person. <clears throat> and, excuse me. Uh, For some people, all the action is going to be in the mirror. They are able to see things in the mirror. Uh, They might hear sounds. They might feel presences around them. But the mirror seems to be the source of all of that. For other people, it's all going to be in their heads. There's something about the mirror that turns the switch on psychically. And then all the action takes place on the inner screen. And for other people, it's going to be a bounce between the two. The two will work in conjunction with each other. So uh, people need to be prepared for what to expect. I don't try to uh, tell people what they're going to see, but um, that these are ways that you're going to experience things. So pay attention to everything. And then I have a guided meditation Uh, to relax people, and we treat the mirror as a doorway, a doorway to a bridge between the afterlife and the world of the living. And so I take people into this bridge, and then once once they are in the mirror, so to speak, um, the journey becomes their private journey. And that lasts for uh, anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes, Uh, People get fatigued, Uh, the psychic eye gets fatigued, especially if people haven't worked it much. And uh, so I just kind of gauge the energy in the room as time goes by. And then I bring people back out of the mirror, recenter them in the body, and uh, invite discussion. And uh, it's really wonderful when, when people feel comfortable about speaking up. Um, and people have the, the customary reaction of like, well, this happened to me, but if I talk about it, everybody's going to think I'm crazy. That's right. Yeah. It's an automatic reaction. I know that feeling. Yes. <laughs> but if they do, there are probably other people in the room who've had similar experiences. So it's, and then they pipe up. So it's very validating. And, um, for, for some people, the experience is very intense and involves multiple sensory phenomena. Uh, 
People do not automatically contact the person they set out to contact. And Dr. Moody discusses this in reunions as well. That, for example, we can set an intention. Let's say uh, we, want, we want to see um, our deceased father. Uh, and we can set an intention to see dad. Um, but maybe it's someone else who comes forward uh, and it's purposeful, that there's something else that we need to deal with. Uh, or a message needs to be given. The, the wonderful thing about the mirror experience is that it has what I call an afterglow. And uh, it often opens the doorway to meaningful dreams, sometimes encounter dreams, to inspirations, waking visions, and other experiences that start to flesh things out. So... Uh, no matter what happens uh, in the mirror, it's, uh, it's meaningful. So I've had people describe, um, uh, for example, I, I can think of uh, one gentleman who uh, contacted um, an uncle who had died in uh, World War II. And uh, he could uh, see this man's face in considerable detail. They carried on a mental conversation. Uh, he could hear other sounds related to World War II uh, in the environment. He felt uh, physical presence of his uncle in the room as though he were standing there. And it was um, an intense emotional experience for him. Um, the one uh, experience where we had uh, the sound of drumming in the room, uh, this was in a, a big Con uh, conference center it was like a convention center and uh, we were in one of the meeting rooms and um, uh, I had everybody sit up uh, front in the room this was a long rectangular room I had everybody sit up front and all the light I mentioned this for a reason all the light switches to the room were way in the back by the door so I had just gotten people started on their personal um journey into the mirror and we had the lights dimmed and all of a sudden the lights came on full force as though someone had flipped all the switches wild and uh so i i just told every, everybody you know just you know hold the energy continue your journey uh and i went to the back of the room and i redimmed the lights and i came back up to my chair in the front of the room and what i try to do during the personal journey is hold space you know that i'm in a meditative state too uh and i play um I like to play 432 Hertz music in the background, which is very conducive to uh, good meditative states. And I became aware of this very faint drumming sound. And it seemed to emanate from one corner of the room. And it got louder and louder. Now, I didn't say anything because you don't want to break people's concentrations. But it was, it sounded like someone was sitting in the corner of the room doing Native American drumming. So at, at the end of uh, the session where we're talking, um, I mentioned that I had heard this drumming. I said, did anyone else hear that? And quite a few of the people in the class did. Well, there was a Native American woman sitting up front near that corner. And she piped up and said that um, the purpose of her journey in the mirror was to reconnect with uh, her shaman, her teacher, who had passed on. 
And uh, we all felt that the drumming was part of that experience. It was clearly Native American, and she was the only Native American person in the room. And she had done this kind of shamanic journey into the mirror. Um, We've had um, visual apparitions of uh, gods and angels goddesses uh, stand in the room. Uh, People have seen them. We've had angelic presences on quite a few occasions where um, people will often close their eyes. Uh, They open their eyes and look into the mirror and then close their eyes and and go within. And um, people have often seen uh, these uh, pillars of light uh, manifest in, in the room, which they feel are angels. And uh, and and I feel that the angelic presence is with us, too. We set a sacred circle before we start. We invoke the presence of benevolent beings and guides and helpers uh, to be within that sacred circle. And uh, they do come. Uh, we've had Celtic gods and goddesses show up, and they seem to have personal connections for some of the uh, participants in the room, that they're meaningful to them. Uh, so it's uh, it can be quite an amazing journey. Now, some people don't seem to have much of an experience, or they think they don't. They look into the mirror, they have a hard time focusing, mm-hmm. their mind wanders, and they look into the mirror and maybe they just see things like shots of light going across the mirror, or the mirror gets kind of cloudy or milky, but nothing else happens. And that's still an, uh, a significant experience because when you can see shifts like that in the mirror, it's the opening of the astral plane. So it's like getting your toe in the water. I and what I, tell, I love it. What, what I tell people is that, well, you probably had more of an experience than you realize if you think back over some of the things that maybe came into your, your mental screen and thoughts during that process. But you got the door open. Um, and so tonight when you go to sleep, um, ask for more information, ask for something else to be shown to you. And many people find that they do have what I call this afterglow, um, that, um, something else occurs and it was the mirror really that opened the doorway for it. I would think Rosemary, that it's like building a muscle too. Once you realize that this is real, you know, we just can't become a bodybuilder overnight. We have to practice, you know, and I, I get this instinct, especially, you know, I've dabbled in different things as well, not nearly as much as you have, but I really believe that there's this energetic world that's happening all around us and we just can't see it. And a lot of people say it's the veil or, or whatever, but by scrying with the black mirror, it just, it just starts opening that up and it and starts opening that that faculty within us. And I can see with more and more practice, you know, just the sky's the limit. And I'm so excited that you're sharing right now. Cause like I said, this is something I didn't even know existed, but what an awesome, awesome tool. It is an awesome tool. I consider it to be incredibly powerful yes. and it has multiple purposes. I mean, not only can you use it as a bridge to the afterlife, Uh, You can ask for information about your past lives. Uh, You can look into the future. You can visit the Akashic records. 
the use of the mirror sharpens your psychic faculty because you're using your psychic senses while uh, while you're employing it. You can work with a partner. Uh, you can use it in a group. I have paranormal investigators who take one of my black mirrors with them on many investigations. And um, most groups have a sensitive or a psychic medium that's part of the team. And this person will often use the mirror as another tool for getting information. Uh, I've used it in seance circles. Uh, last fall, I was uh, at the um, Omni uh, Springs Resort in uh, Bedford, uh, Pennsylvania, a gorgeous uh, facility that uh, has uh, a lot of Victorian-era uh, residual ghosts in it. And uh, so I was participating in a day-long seminar of um, ghost investigations, lectures, and then uh, one night uh, we, we did a, a seance. And we put, uh, we uh, had a number of tools we were working with, but at one point in the seance, and we're all sitting around a very large table, we put one of my black mirrors in the middle as a focal point. And I asked everybody to put their energy into the mirror uh, to, uh, to help the manifestation of whoever needed to speak. Um, now, there were two of us who were like the principal um, I guess you would say the mediums in that, uh, myself and uh, an, another woman. And then there were some participants also that had very good mediumistic ability that started speaking up. But uh, we gave our impressions as, uh, as we got them. Uh, we made uh, contact with people whose names and personalities and personal histories were verified by others present. Messages were given and this was all videotaped. And uh, at at uh, one point in the in the seance, um, I could literally see kind of like a mist coming out of the mirror, clairvoyantly. And uh, a few others saw it as well. This was captured on the camera. Uh, it wasn't captured as a mist coming out of the mirror, but something unusual going on the mirror surface itself. Wow. And uh, it was uh, uncanny corroboration of, of the power of this instrument. Wow. Rosemary, I want to ask too, a lot of, well, a lot of my listeners, a lot of the people attending this symposium are people that have lost a loved one, even though they're not lost, you know, they're lost to us in the flesh. Do you notice a difference from the participants who walk in to one of your workshops and who they are walking out? Is there more joy? Is there a state of wonder? You know, what, what, is, what do you notice is the difference that these workshops make in people's lives? Overall, uh, a positive effect. Uh, I mean, there, there are a few people who, um, you know, they don't feel they've had much of an experience and it's kind of like, oh, well, that was interesting. Uh, you're always going to get a few of those, but for the majority, uh, it's a powerful experience. And some people come in, they believe in the afterlife, they're looking for a particular contact, uh, they want validation. The mirror gives them validation uh, in the reality of survival. Uh, and then other people come that they're not certain if there is such a thing. They would like, they would hope that there is, but they're not certain. And so the mirror gives them evidence that's very convincing to them. Uh, it can 
very emotional experience, of course, as you can imagine. Um, uh, you know, tears, um, people being, uh, you know, just kind of overcome emotionally. I do tell people, I've never had anyone literally become overcome. But I tell people that if the experience gets to be too intense, just pull yourself back. Just imagine that you are pulling back from the energetic link and center yourself in your chair. You're free to get up and go out quietly if uh, you feel it's necessary. I've never had anyone do that. But at any point, you can pull back from the experience uh, because you are in control of it. And that's something that beginners especially want to know you know it is this going to be something that's out of my control you've got a fun ring (laughs) sorry about that i hope you can edit it out i totally my phone off my cell phone off before we started we had an interview rosemary that the uh, guest had a big dog underneath the desk where she was in where she was talking from and the dog fell asleep and all you could hear was this loud snore <laughs> but you know what i left it on there because this is what makes us human oh that's too much uh, i love it yeah but i think with scrying like for me you're giving me a taste of something that i didn't even know existed and i i know you know this pretty simple example but years ago in the world of running uh, no one had ever run a four-minute mile. It was just impossible. And then, lo and behold, I don't know what year it was. Oh, and sometime in the 50s, Roger Bannister ran the first four-minute mile. And then after that, everybody could run a four-minute mile. I think there's something about learning new things and, and getting our mind to believe it's possible. And once we have that inner belief, uh, suddenly... I think miracles can occur, you know, strange synchronicities, wonderful synchronicities, um, opening up to scrying and having an experience. It's like, wow, what else is possible? So I absolutely love that you're doing this. And I'm so, so this is like a Christmas present for me. <laughs> and and me too. Um, there is one other thing I'd like to address, Sandra, yes. about the control aspect sure. of it. And that's a a small number of people, um, especially people who've been watching too many paranormal reality shows, they want to know if there's any danger involved. Are they going to see anything bad in the mirror? Will something bad come through the mirror? And, uh, well, anytime you open the doorway to the spirit realms, there are things out there. Uh, You know, let's uh, be realistic about it. But what you bring to the experience is going to shape the experience. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, we set a sacred circle um, to uh, invite only the benevolent, positive experiences, the loved ones, uh, the spirit guides, the angels, the spirit masters. We we only invite those to be present, uh, to witness and participate, and all other influences uh, are to stay out. Uh, I've never had anyone say they've had a bad experience in the mirror. The worst is people feel nothing happens for them in the mirror, or very little. But I have told some people that they should not use the mirror because they seem so fearful of it. They are so almost convinced of themselves that if they use this, it's going to be the doorway to something that's going to be scary. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell people that um, this is not the tool for them at least at this point, because when you, when you come to the mirror 
a very powerful psychic tool, uh, you need to be uh, in a positive state of mind uh, and you need to be ready to work. And if you bring fear to it, uh, as we know, uh, like attracts like. And if you bring fear to any situation, whether it's a paranormal investigation, a mediumistic seance, a black mirror, um, using the pendulum, whatever, uh, you're going to get back what you fear. So uh, that's an important element for some people. Very small number of people uh, are concerned that way. It's a legitimate question. I probably would ask sure. it myself yep. if uh, I knew nothing about it. But this is a very powerful psychic tool, and people need to know that. I have preached meditation for um, all of my professional life because I've been a meditator for most of my adult life. And uh, that is the best way to prepare yourself to limber up those psychic muscles. Uh, you talked about working muscles. It's like going to the psychic gym. Limber if you meditate <laughs> even for a few minutes every day, uh, you're going to uh, fertilize the field for more effective results no matter what tool you use. And by meditation, do you mean letting the thoughts go and maybe concentrating on our breath? Yes. Um, <clears throat> and I've been, um, I, I've studied various kinds of meditation. I've studied Eastern meditation. Uh, I got very involved in Zen meditation uh, many years ago and also active Western meditation. And so I think that uh, I use a variety of techniques. Sometimes I use meditation to just clear and center, to try and empty as much out as I can. And other times I use what would be called Western active meditation, where I uh, um, set an intention for something, to use the meditative state to set an intention. And uh, intention setting needs to be at as high a level as, as possible. It's, it's not for material things, it's for spiritual things. And so the goal needs to be on, you know, a, a much higher level. So I use a combination of those. And uh, some people think that... Um, they can't possibly clear their minds. Well, uh, you would have to be a, a very adept meditator to completely clear your mind, to, to get into one of those, um, you know, higher states. Mm -hmm. um, That's good to hear. And Zen, and Zen recognizes that. Uh, Zen has many techniques for uh, the arising of thoughts. And in Zen, thoughts are going to arise. That's the way the mind works. And when distracting thoughts arise, here's how you let them go. And so I, I go through that actually in the preparation for uh, working with, with the black mirror is that um, we're not going to be able to maintain 100% focus uh, every single minute. But there are ways to refocus. Right, recenter yourself. I'm so excited about this personally. And I, you know, my dad used to have a great expression, if in doubt, don't. So if you're listening to this and it's just not your kind of thing, that's fine. But if it is, bring to it the excitement, bring to it love, bring to it intention, uh, bring to it that this is going to be a fabulous experience. You know, with the unknown is okay, you know, and it may not be something that you get this great aha visualization or anything, but the person next to you might get that reconnection. It's just, I think if we bring to it wonder, um, so many things are possible and love. 
Absolutely. And, uh, of course, the group energy is very important, too, because um, while we are in this uh, sacred circle, we are forming a group energy and a group mind. And that's one reason why I take some time up front to do some conditioning and to get people relaxed and expecting something positive to come out of this. Great. Rosemary, would you mind if we touched on dreams a little bit before we end the interview? Uh, and we still have some time, but it, it's, um, you know, I'm really excited that that's what you're going to be speaking on during the symposium. And dreams can be all over the place, but I, I've had so many people ask me, you know, I had this really vivid dream of my grandmother. Does that mean she's there? You know, and yeah, if you could just touch on the dream world a little. And did you write, have you written a book on dreams? Yes, I have a book called Dream Messages from the Afterlife, Visits Beautiful. from the Dead. Okay. And uh, then uh, in terms of the Black Mirror, I have the guidebook for it. It's called The Art of Black Mirror Scrying. But um, uh, Dream Messages from the Afterlife uh, talks about, um, makes the case for how the dead visit us in dreams, why dreams are one of the most common uh, mediums for the manifestation of someone who's passed on. And uh, this tradition goes back into ancient times. And uh, I, I focus again on the Greeks uh, and also the Egyptians. And um, I focus on Western culture because that's our heritage, even though these kinds of dreams exist globally. Um, but since ancient times, uh, people have viewed the dream as a way to have access to the spirit world, world, including the dead. And some of those attitudes have shifted over time, uh, understandably. But um, if the dead are going to be able to visit us, it's more likely to happen in a dream than any other way. People can have waking visitations. Uh, Bill and Judy Guggenheim, who wrote the bestseller, Hello from Heaven. Yes. They, years ago, they cataloged 12 ways that the dead are likely to make themselves known, and two of them involve dreams. Um, so there are other ways, too, that we can experience the presence, but the dream is especially powerful uh, because it becomes a real experience within the framework of dreaming consciousness. People can have physical sensation. They will uh, hug, kiss, touch uh, the deceased person. Communication is telepathic. It's not verbal. They have a sense of physical presence that they're in an environment that is real, but not real, if that makes any sense. And the dreams have a purpose. Um, it's to deliver a message or reassurance. Um, they're usually fairly short. And in fact, quite interestingly, uh, sometimes the dead will comment, I haven't got much time, so here's what I have to say. Hmm. Uh, and Or that it, it takes a lot of energy to get one of these bridges uh, together, so and it doesn't last long. And there seems to be something that has to happen on our side as well as the other side. Not everybody's going to have one of these dreams, no matter how badly you want one. Mm -hmm. They involve circumstances of um, spiritual frequencies, energy, consciousness, conditions on the other side that we may not have any inkling of. It has to be the right combination 
And in fact, uh, I've had examples of people have used proxies because they can't get through to the person they would like to because of, as, as one dead woman said, because of the way he dreams, I can't get through to him. So I'm coming to you. Please give him the message. Oh, that's funny. And I, and I call that proxy dreaming. Okay. But um, most of these dreams are for reassurance. Uh, the dead want us to know that they're still here. You know, they, they didn't go into oblivion. They are still who they, they were, who they are. Um, there is an afterlife. Uh, they're well. Um, and they will often say things like, please don't worry about me. Please don't grieve. We're going to grieve anyway. Um, that's just part of the human process. But they want to reassure us that they are not lost to us. Beautiful. Thank you. Now, are there some questions I should be asking you that I haven't? And I'd love to know more about your website. And I know you have a, a newsletter that you do. And um, to brag about yourself for a couple minutes. <laughs> well, my personal website is visionaryliving.com. And you can sign up for my newsletter there. I'm just getting the June newsletter together now. It goes out usually the, f- the first week of every month. Uh, I have a calendar of my events there, and and I have a blog and articles uh, that I've posted. Um, I also have another website, and from Visionary Living, you can also jump to that website or go straight there to my publishing website, visionarylivingpublishing.com. And that includes uh, all of the books that my company has published. Um, it's got descriptions of the books, the authors, and, uh, also, uh, hot links for if you want to get copies. Beautiful. And for our listener, if you're listening on YouTube or iTunes in the description of this episode, I have live links that you can click on to visit Rosemary's sites and the books and the symposium and the workshop. <laughs> I'm so excited that we spoke today. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity, uh, especially to acquaint people with something like uh, the Black Mirror process. Yes. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to the Afterlife Conference in September in Scottsdale. I've uh, presented there um, twice before. It's an absolutely fabulous event. People from all over the world, uh, including a lot of people in alternative health care and traditional health care, psychotherapy, uh, after-death studies. Um, it, it's an incredible mix of people. Uh, and some very talented mediums are going to be there as well. Yes. Yes. And I find, you know, when I first started on my adventure of searching for proof of the afterlife, you know, I was... I didn't want to be one of those people, you know, those two out there people, you know, and um, I think it was just fear in the beginning and come to find out, especially being part of the AREI, the Afterlife Research and Education Institute, you have doctors and scientists and, you know, you got the psychics and mystics and just everybody together and Everybody's very real. Everybody's very normal. And, uh, it's so, and I usually travel by myself to these things and I leave with, you know, hundreds of new friends. And it's so empowering for my life to have people that I can share this with. That's why I love talking to people on this show. And I love the listeners too, 
because we're building up these new friendships because, you know, in my personal life, I don't have too many people that speak this language. You know, some people look at me a little strange for what I do. So the symposium is just a great, great place. I can't say enough good things about the people who run it and the people uh, who attend it. So for our listener, afterlifesymposium.org to find out more. And if you are somebody who can't make it, we totally understand. But check out the website anyways, because you can see who some of these speakers are and some of the workshops being given. And your mind will be opened up to so many more things that are happening to really give you that comfort that we don't die. Your life is for a purpose. Your loved ones are still there. You're going to be reunited with them again. And there are these tools that can enrich your life and even possibly make contact. Oh, Rosemary, thank you so much for being our guest today. Sandra, thank you for this opportunity to have a wonderful discussion with you and uh, certainly look forward to seeing you in Scottsdale in September. Yes, I'll give you a big hug and I'm looking forward to getting my black mirror (laughs) and your book before I even get there and uh, limbering up that psychic muscle because I just think that's a great thing. Just a great thing. Uh, And for our listener, thank you so much for being here with Rosemary Ellen Guiley and myself today. And as a reminder, our home base for the show is we don't die radio.com where there's over 265 episodes now. Um, and some just on from all kinds of people about talking about the afterlife and living life and help and support through grief. Cause I know that's something that brings many of us here together. I have a very a free audio there called how to survive grief. Uh, it says a few chapters of my book. We don't die, but here's the secret. It's the whole book. And then I wrote a short. Uh, PDF called My 19 Reasons to Believe in the Afterlife. So my name is Sandra Champlain, and a big thank you for listening today. As always, I am so delighted to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. A reminder that Rosemary's website is visionaryliving.com and visionarylivingpublishing.com. I do believe with all my heart that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. So we never know what new things we can learn and do um, but hearing about black mirror scrying and dream visitations, it's all so exciting. So there's more to life than meets the eye and there's more to you than you know. So a warm thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.